Welcome to PDPW's podcast. Here's Bill Baker. As we celebrate the holidays, we're joined by Tom Thibodeau, who reminds us the reason for the season. Come together, sing together, share the goodness that is happening in our lives. Here's Tom Thibodeau with a special Christmas message. Well, Bill, it is always a joy to speak with you, always. And our theme today is uh, Christmas. And it's extraordinary that the very word Christmas means joy. It is the celebration of Emmanuel, which literally means putting your ten stakes down. Emmanuel, putting your ten stakes down. And the Lord of the universe, putting down ten stakes in a human family. A young human family who was unemployed. Joseph had to leave his job in Nazareth in order to travel to Bethlehem with his wife, who was nine months pregnant. And when they got there, there was no place for them to stay, so literally they're unemployed and homeless. A young, vulnerable family, sheltered by an innkeeper and honored by rural people who fed and clothed them. It was the shepherds and the people who cared for the animals in the stable who looked after this young family, made sure that they had warm clothes to keep them warm and food to keep them fed. A young, vulnerable family who was kept warm by the company of oxen and sheep and probably a few chickens. A young, vulnerable family who had to flee a tyrant and found refuge in Egypt. And yet, wise people from the East never forgot them. Wise people from the East came bearing gifts and blessed them generously with the things that they would need for survival and beginning a new life together. This is a story of hope and resilience, persistence and love, and as we told in our human family every day. And that's why we don't forget it. That's why we understand it to be true, not a myth but the example of how God enters our lives in the very reality of our families and our communities and each other. Vulnerable by natural disasters, wherever people feel vulnerable and alone, other good people take them in. Open up their homes to strangers so they have a place to live and enough to eat where they feel safe and protected. This is the story of Christmas. Open up our homes and our lives to others who need us. Young, vulnerable families who rely on love and faith and goodness of each other and their communities each and every Christmas. is an extraordinary. During the year of pandemic, we're reminded of how much we mean to each other. But we have always meant that to each other. It's just that when we're most vulnerable is that when we're reminded of how our survival, our very lives, depend upon the goodness of others. Joy is an expression of goodness and what is possible when we join together. I'm a part owner of a country tavern here in Wisconsin, a little place called Leon Leona's that was established in 1890 on a ridge about 14 miles outside of La Crosse, a ridge that overlooks 
beautiful farmland, ridge top farms, which they do farming in so that the fields look like quilts when you fly from above, how they're put together in order to avoid erosion and clamp crop rotation that allows for healthy soil. We have wonderful sources of water that have been preserved in our bluffs and our coolies and begin there, therefore to irrigate the plants and take care of the animals who live in our area. It is pristine in so many different ways. And so this little tavern was established by a group of immigrants who had come because they understood that people need places to gather other than their homes and their farms and their local churches. They needed a place to come together and celebrate what it must have been like back in 1890 during those days when winters were very, very difficult. Then they built a dance hall where people gathered, and in our dance hall, on each side there are benches, and what would happen, the men would sit on one side, the women would sit on the other, and your dad would tell you who you could go and dance with. That's how families were formed. This was Match.com before there was a Match.com, and families gathered there before they sent their young people off to World War One, the family gathered when they came home from war. The family brought together during the Great Depression. People stood in line for sugar and flour that was distributed out of our back room. People gathered there again together when they send their sons off to World War II and then regathered when they returned home five years later. The same thing happened with Korea. This is a dance hall in which people gathered for weddings and for funerals and anniversaries. Uh, when we bought the place, the back room had been filled up by the owners who had been there for 50 years. They took every sample from every traveling salesman. They were children of the Depression and were not going to throw anything away. So it took us two dumpsters and two auctions in order to get rid of everything that was back there. But we cleaned it out, and there it is, a wonderful dance hall. And every year at Christmas, we've had a concert provided by String Ties, a string band that plays bluegrass music. And if you haven't heard Christmas music played in bluegrass style, well, I tell you, you're missing something. So this last week, we all gathered up there again, and there was a banjo player, and there's somebody on the bass. There's a guitar player that plays angelic music, and a mandolin that sings, and then a fiddle that just kind of brings it all together. And there we were, about 100 people, happy to be back together again. Music brings us together, and the music of Christmas reminds us that we are always together. I'll be home for Christmas. I'm dreaming of a white Christmas. Songs that were written by soldiers during World War II, hoping to get home and be reunited with their families in peace. And I told a story that I had heard about, then did further research, and I got this article from Time magazine writing about Christmas in 1914 during World War I in France. It seems the sheer misery of daily life in the cold, wet, dull trenches of World War I was enough to motivate troops to initiate a truce on their own which means it's hard to pin down exactly what happened. A huge range of differing oral accounts, diary entries, and letters home from those who took part make it virtually impossible to speak of a typical Christmas truce as it took place across the Western Front. To this day, historians continue to disagree over the specifics, 
No one knows where it began or how it spread, or if by some curious festive magic it broke out simultaneously across the trenches. Nevertheless, some two-thirds of troops, about 100,000 people, are believed to have participated in this legendary truce. Most accounts suggest the truce began with carol singing from the trenches on Christmas Eve, a beautiful moonlit night, frost on the ground, white almost everywhere, as Private Albert Moran of the 2nd Queen's Regiment recalled in a document later rounded up by the New York Times. Graham Williams of the 5th London Rifle began described in even greater detail. First, the Germans would sing one of their carols, and then we would sing one of ours. Until we started up, O come, all ye faithful, the Germans immediately joined in singing the same hymn to the Latin words, Adeste Fidelis, and I thought, well, this is the most extraordinary thing. Two nations both singing the same carol in the middle of war. The next morning, in some places, German soldiers emerged from their trenches calling out Merry Christmas in English. Allied soldiers came out to warily greet them, and others Germans held up signs reading, you know shoot, we know shoot. Over the course of the day, troops exchanged gifts of cigarettes, food, buttons, and hats. The Christmas truce also allowed both sides to finally bury their dead comrades, whose bodies had lain for weeks on no man's land, the ground between opposing trenches. And my reflection on that beautiful, extraordinary story is this. It seems to be that we've been entrenched in this country on other sides of a great divide. Who knows why? And then it's time to crawl out of the trenches. And it's Christmas music that calls us forward. All of us in all of our communities, whether it be in your local church or around a Christmas tree or at a party or a gathering, come together and begin to sing songs that are familiar to us all. My reflection was that if in the midst of those trenches somebody would have had a guitar and a mandolin and a bass and a banjo and a fiddle, that those young soldiers would have started playing music and war would have never resumed. We need to find ways to come together to sing together, to tell our stories of survival together, and to celebrate the goodness in our lives. Emmanuel, a place where God has pitched his tent and said, you are all brothers and sisters. This is the hope that we share. This is what we see lived out each and every day in our communities if we take the time to pay attention to where the goodness leads us. Christmas. All of us have amazing memories. It's an extraordinary we might have grown up in the same family, but all of us see things differently. And yet there's space for all of our memories. There's space for all of our emotional responses, both happy and sad. I can remember in Christmas of 1960, previous to that in 1960, I was, we're at the Elks Club there was a father-son event organized by the Elks, and the main speaker was Mr. Burl Ives. 
singing Frosty the Snowman, Burl Ives, the narrator of Rudolph the Red-Nosed Reindeer. I've always kind of wondered why I've enjoyed the song Frosty or that little animated cartoon, and now I realize that it was linked by the time that I spent with my dad, feeling like I belonged and was loved, and that memory has carried me through a lifetime. In 1978, my father had a heart attack at a Green Bay Packer game. He was over there watching the Packers with a group of his friends, and he felt like he got punched right in the jaw. Well, he did not want the others to miss the second half, so he went back out to the camper and laid down, praying that the that the heart attack would, would stop and that he would be, so he, he was afraid to go to sleep. Well, it was good that he didn't. He, he drove home, never saying anything to anyone. Uh, finally, on Monday, he goes in and talks to the doctor, and the doctor says, Greg, that you've had a heart attack, and my dad says, well, listen, I can go to the hospital on Wednesday. I got some work here. I got to get, he says, no, you're going now, and made arrangements, and they took him by ambulance to, to the hospital 30 miles away where they had a heart specialty unit. My father was in the hospital for two weeks and was released on December 24, 1978. He came home, and for the first time we saw our father, the strength of our family, very weak very much afraid. On Christmas morning when we got up, we were so happy that he was there, that he was in our midst, that his life had been spared, and that he had a second chance. And then in the midst of it all, my father started to weep. What's wrong, Dad? He said, I don't have anything to give you. I wasn't able to buy you anything. Oh, Dad. You didn't need to buy us anything. Your very life, your love, is all we need. And you begin to recognize that even in a weakened state, he had this desire to give whatever he could to his family. Don't we see that story lived out in each and every one of our families? Many of us grew up, we had no idea the level of poverty that our parents had endured, and yet they shared whatever they had with us that's a much different experience, isn't it, than people today who buy a present and say, listen, here's the receipt. If you don't like it, you can return it. No, no, no. That's buying presents. And what this celebration calls for is gifts, the gift of self, the gift of patience, the gift of a, of a nice dinner and time to tell stories and to remember what's taken place in the past year, to rebuild and remember the deep connection that we hold with each other. Christmas celebrated in songs that are so common. We learn them when we are young and do not forget them when we are old. Christmas, a time when we put our tent stakes down and say, hello, brother, hello, sister, welcome in. Christmas remembered as a time when Tiny Tim and his family, a poor, vulnerable family, changed the hearts of an employer who had forgotten about the message of love and was reminded to live his life in a new way. Haven't all of us been a Scrooge from one time or another? Haven't all of us maybe been a little bit too worried and self-absorbed about what might take place in our lives? And Christmas comes along and broadens our lives, 
opens our hearts and connects us to each other again. Here it is, Christmas, we're still worried about the health and well-being of our neighbors. We're worried about the severe swings we see in our climate that's causing havoc in the lives of people. We worry about the prices of our food and our energy going up, and yet we have the opportunity to come together and remind each other that we are not alone. We are a community of families who know each other, who love each other, and are committed to each other's health, wellness, and goodness. And to all the people who take time to listen to these podcasts, may God bless you with peace and much goodness. Merry Christmas to you and all the people that you know, love, and serve. Have a very Merry Christmas. Thank you, Tom, and Merry Christmas to you and your family. Tom, a distinguished professor of servant leadership at Viterbo University. And for archived podcasts and more on-demand programs, and for more on the professional development for today's dairy producer, head to PDPW's free website at pdpw.org.